This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope your week's going well. Truly, sending you love and care. As always, got to give you a little reminder. That's what I do, the trifecta. Got to make sure you are centering your day every day in self-care, joy, pleasure, and rest. Those three are something we need to find time to do every single day. You can plan it the night before, the day of, midday, check in. Sometimes one thing wraps all those threes together. But if you don't have time to do that, then your schedule is misprioritized and out of balance. We need to be able to find time every day for some joy and fun, some pleasure, and also some rest and self-care. We have to be able to build that in. We have to. That's got to be the goal. That, again, is part of mental health. That's the foundation for it. That's also how we really boost our resilience. So really center that. And then again, look, mental health matters. I'm telling everyone to ask those around them, how's your mental health? We ask like that, not how are you? How's your mental health? It's very specific. It's a new way of asking. It reminds people that this is a serious question. Again, why? We're getting people familiar, talking about it, asking about it, hearing about it. And you let people know that you're one of those people that wants a truly honest and intimate relationship. You know, you really do want to know how they're doing. All right, question of the night is up on our Loveline IG page, so weigh in on that. Um, Let's get into some news. Later in the show, we're going to be talking about our relationship, uh, mental health-wise, and socially to alcohol. Looking at the role it's playing, is it something we should be doing right now? Should we not be doing? It's going to be good stuff. Right now, again, some news. Uh, Aubrey O'Day, she's a singer. I'm I'm vaguely familiar. So she's in the news because she was fat shamed. And I've been tracking this for a couple days just to kind of see where this is going. So a poster, a picture was posted of her being in a larger body as opposed to one of her former smaller bodies. And it's just, how is that news? I don't want to live in a world where that's news. That's, that's called gossip. And gossip is toxic and problematic. That's not news, meaning that's nothing I need to know about, meaning that's nothing that impacts any of us, and that's none of our business. So she's a lot of boundaries and privacy. Like, put your music out there, do your thing, let's talk about that. But to be like, let me put together an article juxtaposing her two pictures, talking about she put on weight. Like, again, let's look at who we are culturally, that that's what sells and that we all partake in that. And then to hear the comments, Oh my God, it was horrifying to hear what people would post. And remember, you're posting with your little name and face there. So there's not even any healthy shame of being the one saying some of these things. Like it hurt my heart as I'm working constantly with individuals to feel okay in the body they have, realizing they don't need to change. They don't need anti-aging anything. It's a, You're allowed to age. They don't need constant weight loss. You're allowed to gain weight. They don't need to be counting every calorie. You're allowed to eat and enjoy food, right? Our bodies are going to change. Let them age. Let them grow. Let them be what they're supposed to be, especially during COVID. We're not supposed to come out of this gym bodied. We don't need to make how our body looks the center point of our life. We don't even need to focus on our health if we don't want to. 
But that's part of it is it's fat shaming, it's health policing, which means people that don't know her or don't care telling her she needs to focus on health. That's none of your business and she doesn't have to. People are allowed to be big and fat and sloppy if they want. They're allowed to eat what they want, drink what they want. We don't have to be neat and orderly and tidy and pulled together and having our shirt fixed. We're allowed to like have stains and our hair messed. We're allowed to be messy and sloppy. But we have this idea that we should always be regimented and controlled and in line with our thinking and our behavior and our body and our eating and our space and our clutter. Nope. It's about letting people be authentic, letting them be liberated, letting them be themselves, letting them find joy, letting them build confidence in that. So when I see posts about that, shame on the websites posting that, shame on the journalist who's putting that out there, and shame on everyone who's using that as a moment to say something horrible about this human being. None of the above taking into consideration the mental health impact that that has. You are all responsible for negatively impacting this human being's mental health, her anxiety, her depression, her coping mechanisms. So let's all do better and let's lovingly call in, meaning one-on-one, reach out to those we know that are doing this stuff and say, hey, that's hurtful to them, that's hurtful to me, that's also hurtful to you because you're helping keep a system going where gossip is seen as legit and we're mocking and talking about people's bodies is okay and it's not and it's gross and we need to not feel okay about it. So let's all just do better. We're allowed to do better. If you used to do things like that, do better now. Move forward being different. I release you from having historically been one of those people that mocked people like that and wrote those articles and posted them. are forgiven. Move on. Be better from this moment forward. You know, we're allowed to be our better selves. If we know better, we do better. So do better. Uh, Star Trek, Bam Bada Bam, saw this a couple days ago. I love this. They are uh, boldly going where the franchise has never gone before with non-binary and trans characters. Someone said to me, why are, you know, why are trans people being thrown in our face? And I was like, well, what does that mean? Well, I'm seeing them on billboards and in magazines and in films. And it's like, mm-hmm. how is that being thrown in your face? Have we been having cisgendered people thrown in our faces this whole time? No. Well, them getting attention and then being validated and them working and just acknowledging their existence isn't throwing it in your face. It's just acknowledging that they're there and that there's all kinds of models. And sometimes they'll be trans and sometimes they'll be cis. Sometimes they'll be non-binary and we're just reflecting the world. We're not promoting anything. We are not putting anything in your face. We're just putting up the billboards as they're put up, mirroring back what's going on in culture. So if you're feeling like it's being put in your face, ask yourself why it's upsetting for you to see the existence of a person existing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's just letting us encounter the world as it really exists and as it really is. So Anywho, good stuff with that. Um, Coming up next, we're going to talk about the most stressed out cities in the world. It was interesting to see where my city, LA, landed on that. So stick around. Find out how stressed out your your, uh, geographics are. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. Question of the night, it's up on our Loveline IG page and the stories weigh in on that. Uh, they're always good ones. Our new producer, producer Alex, she she puts her little heart and soul into that. So um, it's good stuff. I You know, when, whenever I get a new show producer, I like seeing the new ways that the show can kind of evolve and shift. So anyway, shout out to Alex. Um, also DMs, always open, so slide into those with y'all questions. And I uh, hope you're checking out my live stream show. I'm listening live. It's every Thursday night, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on all the radio.com handles. That's Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Always a celebrity and an expert talking about mental health, their work, their art, and how it intersects with COVID. Good stuff. And uh, Loveline, old episodes, podcasted. We are channelq.com, so get in on that. Uh, so yeah, I was teasing that. We're going to talk about the world's most stressed out cities. Oh, yeah, 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 right? 
my heart goes out to those who are in the most stressed out cities because we all have had the stress in our lives and our cities amplified because of COVID and it's wide effects on finances and business. So again, those that aren't social distancing and wearing a mask, you know, you're participating in making our cities more stressful and people more worried about employment and finance and their health. So yeah, that responsibility is on you. So let's look at the cities. Because again, whoever's the, the most stressed out city, God bless. Because I can't imagine it being any more stressful. And LA is not number one. And so God bless it. Okay. Ready for this one? Drum roll, please. The study found that the most stressful city in the world is Hong Kong. You guys, I'm sending my love and heart and positive vibes to Hong Kong because God bless it. Um, Johannesburg, Cairo, Athens, Istanbul, and LA followed ranking from two to five in terms of the most stressed out cities. So sit with that for a second. LA is more stressful than New York. LA is the sixth most stressed out city in the world. So we're number six. Um, you know, again, that's pretty high because there's a lot of cities in the world. Other cities in the US on the list were Chicago, Miami, and New York. Now that's not surprising, right? Because you know, major cities tend to be the more stressful ones. Why? Well, a lot of people congregate there. So that spikes rent. Uh, gentrification happens powerfully. That spikes rent. And it's very congested areas. And so it's really hard to find a job. It's really hard to find housing. And again, the housing shrinks. It's expensive. Job hunt is more difficult. Um, you know, disease and uh, illness and infection spread faster, as we saw initially in New York. But yeah, California, we're, we're going for number one with that. So yeah, most stressed out cities, Hong Kong, number one, God bless it. So anyway, if you don't live in any of those cities, you're welcome. And if you feel very stressed out, imagine how we feel. We're number six. And, and, and that's why let's, let's just go right in this. Trump orders a review to possibly defund New York city and other, and I quote anarchist cities. Are you kidding me, dude? New York city and these other cities are anarchist cities. Cause you know, he's including, um, Los Angeles and California in that he cannot stand our governor Newsom because um, New York and LA, I'm sorry, New York and California, we care. We actually care. And we're calling out and pushing back on Trump's crappy orders. And so when you see someone like Newsom or Cuomo saying, yeah, you're a mess, you're lying, you're harming people, we're going to ignore your advice and your data, and we're going to actually center people. People come before money and capitalism and work. People come first. People's mental health and physical health and well-being need to come first before corporations making more money, companies selling more products, going back to school into the system. People have to come first. If we live in a culture that is not centering the impact on individuals, we have a big problem. And Trump is all about the money and the business first, right? So yeah, I can see where he wants to defund these other cities. But um, guess what, boo-boo? We're gonna vote your butt out. And that's the other piece. Red just stirred a vote. If you have not done, please do so. Please cut and paste and send that link to people you know. Registering to vote takes just a couple minutes. So if you aren't do so, send the link to others, ask them if they are, and then get that mail-in ballot, fill it out, again, mere minutes, and then drop it off, take it to the polling place, send it to the supervisor of elections in your local area, hand it to them, mail it in, do whatever you need to do, but take that responsibility. Like this election is one of the most meaningful, powerful ones, right? The current administration has had a negative impact on females, on our lives, on trans lives, gay lives, black lives, this is a big, 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 powerful election. And so we need everyone to rally together. I know, again, we've talked about this, but Biden and Kamala Harris are not everyone's first picks. I get it. 
we only have two options. Not voting is not a statement. I don't believe that not voting actually has any constructive impact. There are other ways to push for more than a two-party system. There are other ways to advocate for better options in the future, right? A lot of us are voting for our like fourth choice, but it's way better than letting Trump win and the Trump administration continuing to do the damage that they've done. So please register to vote, send that link to people. It takes minutes. It's quick. Get your ballot, mail it in, take friends with you, do what you need to do, but be part of the change. Cause I'm saying this honestly to my listeners. If you guys don't do that, who will? My listeners are some of the more evolved, intelligent, thoughtful, radical social justice people. If we aren't willing to do all that, to register to vote, to get others to register to vote, then who will? Who are we leaving it to? If not us, who? Right? A lot of my listeners are from marginalized and exploited backgrounds. Stand up for yourself, for your community. Be part of making the world better. And for people of a position of privilege, use your privilege, white cis hetero people. Get out there and help those beneath you. Right? Get people together. Get them voting. And I want you to talk politics. A lot of people say, oh, you can't talk politics or religion at the family table or holidays. We need to learn how to talk about these things. The reason why we can't talk about them is because we don't. We have to learn how to constructively discuss things like politics. So please talk about that at family events. Please try to get people to understand why we need them to vote for Biden and Kamala Harris, why Trump is destructive. Let them know if you're a person that's exploited and marginalized by the Trump administration, that by them voting for him, they're voting against you and that they're not caring about your life, your safety, and your welfare. And so talk about politics everywhere and anywhere. Politics is always present. Not talking about politics is political. So we can't step outside of it. We need to get more comfortable and familiar talking about not avoiding it. So do so. All right, question of the night. It's up on our Love on IG page and then some DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Um, fatigue. Y'all feeling tired? Y'all feeling a little fog? Yep, it's the COVID fatigue. Clouds judgment and also impacts and sets up some danger for public health. This is the thing we're not realizing. It's kind of like this silent thread that for some people, it was a powerful thing that came on immediately. Others, it slowly creeps in and has stayed. Some it's gotten worse. Others, it comes and goes. I have it on and off. It depends. Okay, so what is it though? right? So it's the intersections of stress and exhaustion. And I know some people are saying, yo, I'm just laying on the couch all day long. How am I exhausted? Please don't think that exhaustion is only about physical depletion. Exhaustion and energy have a mental component. Again, this is the side effect of us having a culture that doesn't acknowledge mental health. Anxiety and stress or depression, right? Whatever's going on in your world around you due to COVID or other factors, that will burn you out. If your brain's constantly running, people that are really obsessive, ruminate, that, that is a burning of energy. And so this fatigue can be born out of the mental work that you're constantly doing, right? So that worry about the pandemic that's been going on now for a long time is going to have some mental health components let, leading you know, from it. So that can lead to risky behavior that can increase the coronavirus spread, right? Because people are getting burnout, they're tired, they're depressed or anxious, and they're saying, F it. I, I'm not doing this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And they're pushing out and they're making really hasty, problematic decisions, which is why I'm constantly talking about staying in a really beautiful in-between zone, like a middle path, right? I'm not completely given up and flattened. I'm not out there living life like nothing's going on. I'm kind of sitting in this middle stage because the people that are really getting it the worst are ones that aren't doing what I'm saying, which is centering self-care, joy and pleasure, rest, I'm also always worried about these collateral forms of coping that people use, like the drugs and the alcohol. There's a lot of people that 
some of them are using it in a good way where things like cannabis can be very medicinal and it's legal in many states. And if you're in a state where it's legal, cannabis use can be very healing for depression and anxiety. A lot of people don't want a full 12 hour day of an onslaught of emotions. Remember, we aren't supposed to be able to sit and deal with everything. And that's where, you know, we hear some of these things from programs like AA where they really pathologize or traumatize or shame using coping things or distraction. Oh no, no, we need it. We all do it. Movies is a beautiful distraction. Reading, napping, sleeping. We need distractions. It is not healthy to be full frontal, slammed in the face and fully encountering all emotions all day long. And some people are doing that because they're not working or they're not able to use their normal buffers or distractions. And it's a, it's a, they're getting overwhelmed and flooded. And so we are allowed to use things like food, um, some healthy use of uh, other things to kind of shave down the rough edges. As I always say, I love that metaphor because that's what it's about. Not complete removal, but just make it a little more comfortable, a little, a little more, you know, familiar. So again, we're talking about when we say COVID fatigue or COVID fog, it's, it's a, it's a brief way of talking about all of these different struggle stresses and challenges that people are facing. Um, that's just burning us out and it's impacting our mood. It's impacting the way we're interfacing with others because again, the stresses that were already there haven't changed you know, and just new ones are getting piled on. And we don't know for how long this is going to be going on. And so some people are being forced to be using strategies that they haven't had to use for this long of time. I've never been this isolated this long in my life. I've never had a denial and rejection of access to things that I value. Like I love doing a lot of things that are public spaces, going to coffee shops and hanging out and spending time. I love going to the gym. Things like that that are closed down, I don't have access to others. I'm dating someone who lives in Canada. It's a struggle to maintain that, right? So the reason why I bring this up is just to normalize these experiences, to give it a framework, to give it a cause, to give it a term. You know, language helps. And so now you have a concept, you know, COVID fatigue, COVID fog. That's what this is. That's why I'm tired. That's why I'm stressed. Even though I might not directly be relating to, connecting with, or experiencing those things, it's in there. It's inherently coming in from the outside, right? Even if you're in your little sanctuary. And the ways to deal with it are the ways we've been talking about forever, which is know that it's not forever, right? It's going to alleviate itself. All things do. You have to figure out about management. Also, dropping the expectations on yourself and others, knowing no one can be expected no one can be expected to be 100% or full on. People are going to be a little less present, not as productive, not as, you know, whatever it may be rested. Uh, Also spiking up the socialization, socially distanced, FaceTiming multiple people, really still doing the social thing. If if you need to see people, and some people do because they're alone a lot, masked, outdoors, small groups from a distance, following those rules. Um, and again, just really resting and, and kind of riding this out. That's what I'm doing. I've canceled a lot of expectations around me professionally. I'm not looking to be using all my time now to work, 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 work. I'm resting, knowing I'll come out of this in a better place. So I'm reading, I'm resting, I'm healing, and I'm trying to just kind of do some transformative things. But I know I don't want to come out of this burnout because I had more downtime and I filled it up with more work. That's not that's not what's mental health, right? So allow those moments, allow that down, downtime. Don't shame yourself or someone else because of the COVID. COVID fog or the COVID fatigue. It's something we're all kind of in and it doesn't necessarily have this direct objective material cause that we can look at or blame or remove. Again, like I said, it's this ubiquitous thing all around us that's kind of pushing in. So we're all kind of swimming in it. So, all right, y'all, we'll be talking more about that coming up next DMs. Stick around for that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. It's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. The way you explore the confidence, here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, I'm going back and forth with my girlfriend on this. 
And I feel like it's such a dumb thing to argue about, so I'll ask you. <laughs> I love that. I often love being the last stop or the final decision maker. I get to be a judge at times. If the COVID vaccine comes out in October, for those that aren't familiar with that statement, they're like, huh? Yeah, the CDC said that in October, states should have a protocol in place for the possibility of a vaccine to be ready. Of course, going to those that need it first, such as high risk and frontline workers, which I fully support and agree with. So the question said, if the COVID vaccine comes out in October and we take it, can we start enjoying life again? She's so afraid to take it, and I'm going to be the first in line, laugh out loud. Are you going to take the vaccine? Sorry if that's super invasive. Thank you. No, I think it's, I, I, you know, I kind of talked about this a little bit. I'll take it as soon as I can. Um, I want to make sure I feel safe, so I will look at what kind of trial did it go through, how many people was it tested on, what were the outcomes. Uh, I don't, I'm not just going to like inherently jump on in. But yeah, I, I, I do have to have that healthy state of denial or suspend a little reality and trust that these you know, companies and, and systems that are in place to test these things that if they say it's okay, it's okay, even while knowing that things are often recalled down the road because we don't have what you call a longitudinal study. These vaccines are brand new. We can't say, oh, well, they've been out there for five years or 10 years, so we have a longitudinal study inherently done to see what the long-term effects are. We do not have that. But I also know that people are dying. And we want our lives back. And that's not going to be able to happen or get remedied until there is a vaccine. And so will I be among those to take it? Yeah, I will. I really will. Um, so I appreciate your girlfriend being afraid to take it. But this is one of those things where, um, you know, look at the science, trust the process, uh, critically analyze it, though, do your own homework. But that's our best bet. Without something like a vaccine, it's not going to go anywhere. And more lives are going to be lost and businesses are going to close because right now the way we're trying to do it isn't working. We thought we could rely on people's ethics and compassion. Clearly we can't because we're all seeing pictures of groups together laying all over each other, drinking. People are still out there wildly hooking up, just really putting themselves at risk in others. So it's kind of this or nothing. So yeah, I would kind of lovingly hold your girlfriend's hand and let her know that this is the best bet for us getting our lives back and saving lives. So let her know I'm going to take it. Um, but I think it's a good conversation to be having. But again, I would be curious to hear what her solution is. If not the vaccine, is she just going to self-isolate? And that's great if that's something she's willing and comfortable to do, but that's not even working now. And that can't be the long-term solution. You know, like we were talking about in the earlier segments, all of this is having a that big mental health impact on people and their finances and employment. So a lot of us are ready for this to be done. So, you know, again, it's, that's going to be the, oh man, that's going to be the battle, right? The anti-vaxxers, because that's already going strong. Think about it. There's people that aren't willing to just wear the mask. So you think those people are going to jump on board when taking a vaccine? I hope. I hope that they see that as easier and more, you know, more helpful, but most likely they won't. And possibly like it is now to become a political thing where it's the Republicans versus the Democrats and us liberals and all. I don't really know where it's going to go. I don't track a lot of the anti-vaxxers, so I don't really necessarily know what their political leanings are or any other characteristics to make a sense of that population. But um, the people I do know that work with and for some of these companies are people that are very intelligent. I respect them highly and they're pro-vaccination. And so, you know, sometimes you have to trust some of the scholars and experts if you believe them to be worthy of trust. And the ones I'm talking about, I do. Uh, but it's a little bit outside my lane other than that. It's not something I'm that familiar with. So yeah, you got to kind of turn to those that are, you know, which is what I do as a therapist and a scholar within, you know, psychology, sexuality, and relationality is I need people to trust that maybe I know more from my supervision, my clinical experience, my research, my writing. So it's kind of the same thing with vaccines, but um, I appreciate where your girlfriend's coming from. I do have some anxiety about it. I'm not a hundred percent on board with it, but I will do it and I do support it, but I'm not a hundred percent comfortable with it, but I don't think anyone should be. And I don't think it's even about a hundred percent comfort. I think it's us saying it's what we need to do. 
nothing's 100% safe and nothing's 100% safe for everyone. You can die from drinking too much water, right? You can die from taking too many vitamins. Some vitamins are fat soluble and they just sit in your fat. They don't get peed out if there's too much like vitamin C, right? So nothing's 100% safe. Even broccoli and vegetables have some carcinogenic compounds and components. So it's about us eating things that are healthier, better, and doing things that are more meaningful, but nothing's perfect and it doesn't need to be. And maybe that's the route you take with a girlfriend is it's not ideal, it's not perfect, but it's the best we got. And we want to really look out for each other and those around us, you know? Slide in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence. Coming up next, we're going to talk about alcohol, the role it's playing in your life, especially right now, because it's not something we want to use against ourselves, right? Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're going to talk about everyone's favorite topic, alcohol. Now, I just want to enter this conversation by saying that it's important for me, right, my job, is to always look at the mental health impacts and to critically analyze the role something plays in our lives. So right now, the alcohol business is booming. It always is. Big alcohol, um, the alcohol industrial complex, this big system that alcohol is. Alcohol is present for everything. It's part of everything. It's Friday, time to drink. It's your birthday, let's drink. You got a job promotion, let's drink. You got fired, let's drink. It's, it's woven into everything. It's not a good thing. It really isn't. Alcohol is toxic on every system in your body. It's not something that really helps anything. It might temporarily take the edge off or give you a little bit of a boost, but it's a depressant. And um, it dehydrates your brain, like I said, toxic for every system on your body and has a lot of other outcomes. It depletes and leaches certain vitamins and minerals from your bones. Um, it amplifies moods. It makes people, their judgment goes offline and they make some really bad decisions. So it's not the best thing. It can often just leave you feeling worse because of a hangover as well. So it's more of an attempt to bypass or delay something, but it doesn't remove or fix. And so at some point, whatever the issue was, it's sitting there waiting for you afterwards, or you make it worse with drinking, or you never really learned how to deal with it, whatever the thing was that you're avoiding. Now, does that mean that alcohol is all bad? No, nothing's all bad, really, and there's some place for it. I'm okay with people finding joy and fun. I'm okay with people checking out and distracting. I'm okay with people saying, I want to spend a few hours detached or having a transcendent experience, and I'm going to use a drug or alcohol or whatever it is. You're allowed to do that. You know, people go do journeys. People go do drugs with friends out in the desert, and they have beautiful experiences, and it bonds them. That's awesome. I'm not talking about those experiences. I'm talking about us during COVID at home and the role alcohol is playing in our lives right now from that perspective, right? Because it's different. We're struggling. We're trying to find fun. We're trying to find joy. Everything's amplified. We want to kind of numb it out. We're home all day. Why not? I got no responsibilities or not till later. So it's really important for us to always be looking at the role something's playing in our lives, whether it's food, sex, shopping, whatever it is. Um, drugs and alcohol are the only things you can get addicted to. You cannot get addicted to food or sex or things like that. We can't use the addiction model for those. Um, we also don't have a healthy relationship with food or sex. So a lot of the ways people are saying that eating or sex is problematic are actually just rooted in food phobia and sex phobia. And we have to learn how to have these things in our lives. And it's okay to be hypersexual or to eat a lot. It's allowed, you're allowed to be fat. You're allowed to center your life around sexuality. So that's a different conversation. But well, let's talk about the role alcohol is playing in your life because one of the things I give people is I tell them to check in before, during, and after. And that's a way to really assess consciously the use of something. How do I feel before using it? How do I feel when I think about using it? Examine the answer. What do you think about that? How do I feel during I, while using it? What do you think about the answer? And how do I feel after? What do you think about that? Some people realize, wow, I don't feel good on thinking about using something because of the issues it can cause. I don't feel good during, I don't feel good after. And I'll say to them, well, does that sound like a good reason to start using something or to stop using something? You got to break it down that way, right? So, you know, when you're using alcohol, the questions have to be, first off, are you using it to avoid a problem or some form of pain? 
And are you okay with the bypassing or delaying of dealing with that? Maybe you are. Maybe you're saying it's been a rough day. Now's not the time to take that on. You got my full support around that. Not everything should be dealt with right now or in this way or today. And it's okay to say, I'm going to come back to that. But I want you to ask yourself, this is your own solo journey. So I'm posing these questions for you to do a little self-exploration and awareness. So again, are you using it to avoid problems or pain? Should you maybe not and just tackle it or tackle it, then have the drink? So the drink is just about celebration. Also, are you, are you using it to take the edge off of work? Is that a sign that you're working too much and you need to tell your boss, I need to back off of my work schedule or the workload. The expectation just isn't reasonable for who I am based on what's going on with me and COVID and other things. Maybe it's time to address the actual issue. Also, are you trying to just fit in with friends? Because sometimes that's what it's about. Some people have friends that are just always drinking. Alcohol's tied to everything. They never stop to go, wait a minute, do I want to do that? Do I want to participate in that? Does that influence have a positive impact? Does it stress me out? Every time I'm with them, do we wind up drinking? Do I want to try to suggest not drinking one time, all the times? Maybe I even need new friends. Maybe we don't have a connection, and that's why we drink. It's the only way we can really find a space where we connect. Some people realize that with their partners. They drink on the first date. They drink on the second date. They wind up drinking every time, and they're like, oh, my God. I'm never really fully present with my friends, my loved one. I'm always bringing alcohol in. Is that my self-esteem? Is that to not have to recognize that we don't get along well? Is that to try to make me more sexually confident because I have shame or guilt around my body or my sexuality? Like, it's all about really uncovering things. Um, Jesus has a crutch, like I said, like that liquid courage thing to give you confidence. Maybe there's work to do on confidence building without it. Maybe you want to really face and deal with those things that you're struggling with. Using it to deal with anxiety, because it's not a long-term solution, right? It can temporarily help us. It can temporarily give us that boost, but not long-term. Is it about escaping reality? Okay, for sometimes, in some ways, but it can't always be the solution. Sometimes we have to change our reality on its own in general, because we're realizing we're always finding ways to escape. And so that's why I like checking in before, during, and after, because sometimes you realize, eh, there's something else I'm trying to do here, and this won't meet that need, and maybe I should just go really tackle this. And that's why I say check in before. And then during, how's this going? Is this working? Is this making me feel better, making me feel worse? Should I stop, eliminate, back away from? And then the reflective piece, how was that? Do I wanna do that again? Did that work? What do I need to do differently with that, right? What role do I want this to play moving forward? That's what healthy people do. They have an awareness of their process. We call it an observing ego. There's this part of you that's always monitoring and watching what you're doing and moving through the world and assessing whether or not that's good or bad for you. And if you wanna change things, eliminate things, right? Because for some people, it's not about totally removing alcohol or drugs. Abstinence is not the right thing for everyone, complete removal. Some people, it's about harm reduction. Just doing it less, doing it differently, doing it in a safer way, right? Let, making it have a less of a negative impact. Trying to find a way to have, it, have a better impact. Calling off from work that day, sleeping in, whatever you need to do, hydrating, whatever you need to do to make it work. But we just wanna have a more conscious examination of the role it plays. So as always, we'll talk more about that. Uh, question night, get in on that bad boy. It's on our Loveline IG page. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Time for some good news. Let's do a little segment of some good news. First off, this came out of the blue last week, and I've been kind of tracking this over the past couple of days, and I wanted to make sure I included it in, so I wrote a note to say, talk about this on Loveline. Niecy Nash, she got married to a woman. So it's kind of like a double whammy come out where she's like, yo, I got married. We're all like, what? And she's like, and it's two women. We're like, what? But I love that. Look, queer love, beautiful thing, queer black love. Ugh, warms my little heart. Look, 
sexual fluidity. I don't know how Nisi uh, identifies. Maybe she still identifies as hetero. Maybe she's bi, pan, fluid, gay. I don't know. I don't care. Welcome to the world, baby doll. I love it. I love people living their full lives. Maybe this is the first woman she's with. I don't know. But you know what? Congrats. Live your life. You are both two beautiful human beings. And this is to singer Jessica Betts. Warms my heart. It literally made my day when I saw that. Other good news, Legos will be made of 100% plant-based plastic by 2030. All right, y'all, take note of that. Take note of that. Legos is, are, are nothing but plastic, and they're completely revamping that, all plant-based. Do you know how important that is? Now, I'm hoping that they're going to be using sustainable, renewable resources plant-wise, which I'm assuming they are because this is a move to be more ecologically friendly. Climate change is real. And part of that is we are overspending. We're big, too big of consumers. We need to spend less. I mean, yeah, go a few days. See if you can go a week without spending money or only spending money on food. Stop buying clothing and makeup and take a break on that stuff. But this is a part of that. Support companies like Lego and plant-based companies. You know, plant-based eating is one of the most powerful ways we can help reverse climate rank, uh, climate damage, right? And the climate changes. As a plant-based diet, veganism is not just for animals' lives. Uh, it's not just feminism, not imposing power over lesser-powered beings. Um, it's also environmental impact. And the meat industry is not only carcinogenic, right? And leads to heart disease, leads to high blood pressure, um, et cetera, et cetera. It leaves too big of an imprint on the environment. So if you want to be environmentalist or feminist or in social justice, you need to look at the plant-based diet. It's one of the most meaningful things we can do. Also, moving forward is looking at plant-based materials. So Legos, that's awesome. I hope you set a standard where when you show that it can be done, that other companies might step in, like dolls and toys and other things. Plastics are toxic, and they're bad for the environment, and they don't, they don't just decompose into the environment. Um, they're not biodegradable. So these things just sit around and there's not enough space for them and the production of them is problematic. So bam, bam, bam. Also Kellogg's, this was kind of adorable. Kelly's enlisted top animal influencers on Instagram because of course that's a thing. My cat has an IG page. For those that are interested, it's, uh, what is it actually? It's a good question. My cat has an IG and her IG page is Nugget Stevie Nicks. Sometimes I link it from my uh, Dr. Chris Donahue page. But anyway, they're adorable. They're trying to promote the use of um, plant-based meat products, which are awesome and delicious, and you can literally find them everywhere now. I mean literal as in every supermarket carries them almost. Um, you might have to drive a little bit, but a lot of them now all have it. Restaurants like Denny's, Dunkin' Donuts, IHOP, Starbucks, they have meatless options. The stuff is good for you, it's good for the environment, and it's freaking delicious. So if you're not going to go fully vegan, which I hope you all work towards, at least maybe do plant-based as often as possible or do plant-based once a week or do plant-based most of the week, but one day you don't. I don't care what you're doing. Just do something. Also, Chaz Bono, trans activist, came out saying, yo, Harry Potter was my thing. <laughs> then J.K. Rawlings came out as a transphobe and a trans antagonist. And uh, what a bummer when you grew up with something that was so meaningful. Chaz even got a tattoo. And now you're realizing that this person's a problem. Look, putting people on a pedestal is a problem because they will always get knocked off. This is a powerful version of that. So a lot of people are backing away from it. So my heart goes out to those that found a lot of meaning, value, and joy in the Harry Potter books. But you don't want to support someone like J.K. Rollins because she's not even backing off of it. She's digging her heels in deeper. And there's a lot of people getting a lot of trouble around that. Nancy Pelosi getting her hair done. All right, get it done. But she wasn't wearing a mask. So that's a reminder. Wear a freaking mask, y'all. Wear a mask, wear a mask. Now, I don't know the deeper story. I don't care. I don't get into gossip. I use these stories about celebrities as jumping off points to talk about the social, psychological implications. It's love line, not into the gossip thing. 
So look, I saw a picture of Fauci, Dr. Fauci from CDC at a basketball ga- at a baseball game without his mask. Yeah, because he was far away from everyone, near no one, and with people he was self-isolating with. So let's not do these gotcha moments. If you see me out on the street, you might catch me for a second or two without a mask on because I'm eating an apple or taking a sip of my coffee. So like, let's chill out on that and try to lean in on those that are never wearing a mask and are out there doing all sorts of problematic things and leave Nancy Pelosi alone for a minute. Like, she's a human. You know what I mean? Like... We're not seeking perfection here. And finally, because I just love hearing ridiculousness, there's a Christian group, not shocked, but heh, that are against dinosaurs. Yeah, because it goes against their belief in the creation, of which God is part of the creation story for them, and seeking to remove T-Rex statues outside of, ready, local McDonald's. I mean, can't you just let the dinosaurs exist as a figment of mythology, um, even though we literally have their bones? literally have their bones to prove their existence, literally are able to do carbon dating to see around the time that they existed. So you can't challenge that and removing them from outside of McDonald's because what, Ronald McDonald and McBurglar are real? Like be more worried about them than the dinosaurs. You know what I'm saying? Uh, So that's just some weird stuff. Never dull in the world of hyper-religious people. Um, but yeah, let's not, let's not worry about the McDonald's in that way. Let's worry about the burgers, you know, the murder to make those burgers and you know, what's really in the meat. And we'll close out on this one because we talked earlier about how, uh, Robert Patterson, the star of the new Batman, the, the shooting schedule was halted because he came up positive. Well, guess what? Apparently a deadline is a deadline and the pandemic be damned. Uh, this is coming out of the daily beast. Batman reportedly resumed shooting despite the absence of its star, Robert Patterson. Um, huh? I don't, I mean, wow, that's a massive rewriting and working around. He's not able to be on set and they're like, yeah, we got to do this movie anyway. So congrats to the co-stars that now got bumped up maybe to a lead role um, or just really great editing. So those are the big Batman fans. One's coming out. Look, those movies tend to be really badass. I'm a big fan of a lot of the Batman movies and franchises, especially when Tim Burton did one. Yep. His was stunning. His is probably one of the best. So if you're at home, bored, check out that. Lots of new stuff coming out on Netflix. Uh, Question of the Night. It's up on our Love on AG page. That's coming up next. So still some time to weigh in on that. And then DMs. As always, DMs are open. So if you've got a question, thought, drop it in the uh, Loveline page for that. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right. Time for Question of the Night. According to ABC... Here are four tips to help you manage working from home. Set clear boundaries so kids know when you're working versus when to ask for help getting snacks. Also, don't feel bad about something. I'm sorry, don't feel bad about sometimes putting your work before your kids. Actually, that's kind of gross. I don't agree with that. Let kids sleep in if possible so they're rested and you can do more work. Okay. And finally, be patient with yourself and your children. What are some tips you have for people working from home? So I just want to weigh in with the mental health perspective because this is done by ABC. Your family and kids and their needs should come before work. And so I want employers to, again, drop the bar around expectations, around presence and productivity. We're in a freaking pandemic. And I, and I want to believe we're all human beings and that we should be worrying about the care of the family. These are people. And that should come before profit. So I don't agree with that. I mean, set clear boundaries with your kids they know when you're working. I think that's beautiful. But... No, I think your kids should come before your work. Again, that's such a capitalist perspective. Like, oh, I got to work. No, that's your family. Like, you're not on your deathbed deathbed, going to be glad you worked hard and ignored your family. So no, feel bad. And instead, put your kids first and let your bosses or supervisors know, I'm working at home during a freaking pandemic with my family and they need my care and attention. So things need to be a little late 
or the bar needs to be dropped a little bit. Like employers, yo, step up and be a person. Um, I'm okay with being patient. I think that's so important. I've said drop the bar down for everyone. Let things go. Let loose of the reins. Let your kids stay up a little later. Eat a little differently. Like be just let go a little bit. Focus on joy, care, and compassion. So the question tonight is what are some tips you have for people working from home? Uh, someone said create things to look forward to, like reading after work or face masks, etc. Something self-care. I agree. But I'm saying that nonstop, always have your day rooted in some joy and pleasure, right? I keep saying joy and pleasure so that before work, during work, after work, build that in all the time. But I love that reading, a face mask, anything that just grounds you, makes you feel soothed. Uh, question tonight, what are some tips you have for people working from home? Someone said, stay in a routine for both kids and adults. It's helpful. I agree. Structure and routine, structure and routine. That way the day's not just a fog and we're just not floating through the day, unaware of what day it is and what time it is you know, you don't want to stress us out. So it's not about, you know, a plan that we have to stick to, but it's about a loose structure and a loose routine so that we actually feel like we're in something, part of something grounded. Question of the night, what are some tips you have for people working from home? Someone said, always remember to take breaks and stretches. I agree. I think it's very easy for us to just sit. I mean, my work is nothing but sitting. And so I try to be more embodied and body positive and mindful and check in. And when I feel like I need to move, I move. If I need to walk, I walk. And I really honor that. And I want everyone to honor that as well. You know, setting a timer, at least every hour on the hour, take a break, get up, walk around, get something to eat, maybe lay down, look through your phone, masturbate, eat a sandwich or a donut, whatever you need to do. But like punctuate the day with some joy, pleasure, and rest. I keep saying that. Question tonight, what are some tips you have for people working from home? Someone else said, I'm a teacher. And it helps to stay in a routine and always use rewards to stay engaged if you can. Yeah, I love that. Routine and rewards. And also, I'm just sending out my uh, love and care to you as a teacher a tough job right now because you're doing it from home most likely and your life is still in motion from home. In fact, it's overloaded maybe with others around you. Maybe you're alone. Great. If not, maybe you have a pet, kids, family members, loved ones all around you. And these poor kids are at home and they're distracted. And you and these kids, you're trying to hold that container for them. You're trying to keep them interested, trying to educate them. You might not understand technology. They don't understand technology. It's hard to not see them in real time. Like, my heart goes out to y'all. I got offered a teaching gig and I said no because I can't be doing that online like that. I don't want to sit like that for that long. I want to be more present. So thank you for what you're doing. My heart goes out to you. Uh, question of the night. What are some tips you have for people working from home? Someone else said looking forward to things on the weekends. If your kids finish all assignments, do something fun over the weekend. I love that reward that, right? We're all working really, really hard and remind them that joy can exist. Fun can exist. Fun and joy are actually important, as important, if not more than work and education. Those things are available. They'll always be there. Education is always an ongoing thing. It's okay if you have to use your phone to Google things. You don't need to memorize as much. We used to, God, how is education not vastly different? Back in the day, you had to memorize things. You didn't have easy access to them. Now on my phone, I got it all right there. I don't need to memorize anything. So let's focus on other skills, life skills, financing, budgeting, relationships, healthy sex. But yeah, drop the bar on yourselves, build in some fun. I mean, I'd love that as parents. If you have kids, even just as solo individuals, looking out the week, like what are the moments I can really build in some fun? Because I think it's easy to just work, work, work and dive in. Uh, I'm dating someone who does that. Oh my God. Any spare moment is like tied to work somehow. And I'm like, dissociate from that. Shut that down. <laughs> Take a break. Build in something else. You have an identity that's far bigger than your professional identity. Engage those other parts. Go play football. Go see your friends. Go see family. I mean, it's COVID. So not in the standard forms, but online or whatever it is. But like round it out, round it out, round it out. Otherwise, guess what? You burn out. 
All right, y'all. Thanks for those that participated and were vulnerable. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. And the story is coming up next, DMs. So drop something in there. And uh, old Loveline episodes. If you want to check out old ones, post them, share them, binge. We are channelq.com along with my live stream show. I'm listening live on all the radio.com handles. That's YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world, and we want you to explore it with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Miranda, and I've been in the nightclub industry since I was 18. Before the pandemic, I was a dancer and a bartender at a few local spots. I met my girlfriend at the bar, and we've been dating for a little over a year. We live together now because of the pandemic, which I'm starting to think was a mistake and we weren't ready. Obviously my work is struggling and she works, but it's not enough to take care of us both. So I want to start an OnlyFans. Bum, 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 bum. One, I'm used to the industry and don't really see what the difference is between me dancing on stage and dancing on camera for strangers and money. Two, she's threatened to, she is threatened to break up with me if I do it. And I don't understand why. How can I make her see that this is just a way of survival, at least for now? Thank you. Um, is it just a way of survival or is it an extension of the work you do and it's meaningful and makes sense to you? I don't want you to have, what, what bums me out is when people that are sex workers or want to be sex workers feel like they can't just say that. It feels good to me. It makes sense to me. I like it. It sounds fun. Whatever it might be. We don't, I don't like that people have to shame and say, well, it's survival sex work. I'm only doing it because I can't pay my bills. Well, there's nothing wrong with doing sex work. And so you don't need that qualifier as to why you're making it okay. It's always okay. We're allowed to use sex as employment. We just are. There's no reason, you, you know, if you're allowed to use your intellectual skills, your physical skills, your athletic skills, whatever skills are, we're also allowed to use our eroticism. Part of my work is using my eroticism. I'm always talking about erotics. So, you know, I want to just start that piece. You don't need to apologize. I'm hearing you say that when you say, I just want to let her see it's a way of survival. You don't need to make it meaningful because it's survival based. It's you're allowed to make it meaningful because it is to you. You danced, you were part of that world. And this is an extension of that. And I agree with you. There's a lot of similarity. And so talk to her, you know, it's a slow process. It's not going to be one conversation and then she's on board and all as well. It's going to be a slow build. And so slowly just start unpacking with her. Um, what her thoughts are on sex work or what she thinks the distinction might be or what are her concerns and worries? Is there a way that you can go about it that doesn't have to make her feel uncomfortable or thrown off? And if she is, that's okay too. It's okay for our partners to not always be happy with everything we're doing. We're allowed to disappoint and let down our partners. We're allowed to set a boundary and say, I hear you, I don't agree and I have to do what makes sense to me. You know, So you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to say to her, this is what I feel comfortable doing. This is what I want to do. And this is what I'm going to do. And understand that you have thoughts about it. I'm open to continually talking about it, but this is a decision I've made, you know, because you can make a lot of money on it and it can be very lucrative. And there's people that are making and living exclusively off of it and will continue to. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that in any capacity. I'm more worried about people that are working long hours doing other things. I work with some lawyers that are completely burnt out and depressed because of their work. And law is completely valid in our culture, but yet it's killing them and they shouldn't be doing it anymore. And I have a lot of other professionals that are burnt out and that starting an OnlyFans would be far better for them in their relationship. So you're allowed to do it anyway. You're allowed to set the boundary, but I'd make it a slow moving thing, talking about what she might be okay with you doing on OnlyFans. And maybe just dancing is great. I don't know what her understanding is of what takes place on those, but yeah, it could just be videos of you dancing, stripping, whatever it is. And it wouldn't be any different. And maybe it's something you do and you let her slowly get comfortable with it while you're doing it. But a bigger piece is you saying it might not be working. So I don't know that you should make career decisions around a relationship that isn't working. 
Is it not working because you moved in too fast? Sure. Is it not working because the stresses of not making enough money in COVID? Sure. How do we know? We don't. But if you think living together is not working, don't live together. Apartments are available. People can move and get a new apartment during COVID. The rent might be even better. And so say, look, for the sake of our relationship, we shouldn't be living together. That didn't make sense. And maybe she needs to move out. And that might empower you more to make the decisions professionally around what you want to do to pay your bills. Um, because again, you have my full support. There's there's nothing inherently wrong with wanting to use your eroticism to you know make a living, you know? But to the partners out there, remember, your partner's job isn't, your partner's role, I should say, isn't to always keep you happy and comfortable. So remember that if you're the person on the receiving end. Also think about what's in the best interest of your partner. If your partner comes to you and says, look, I wanna do A, B, or C, don't always make it about you and your comfort. You're allowed to be uncomfortable. Maybe say, look, I'm not comfortable, but I don't want you to make decisions around my comfort. I want you to make decisions that are centered around makes sense to you because that's what love is, right? Considering all impacts, but also centering the impact of the partner. All right, good luck with that one. Slime the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. That's our show. We'll be back tomorrow night, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. That's the, that's the I'm listening live. We'll be back tomorrow at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. I'm listening live is my live stream show tomorrow at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. I'm telling you, too much going on, y'all, but it's all good stuff, so check it all out. We'll be back tomorrow, as I said. Y'all, thanks for hanging out with me, and you have a beautiful, beautiful night.